0: Drive with Goodman and Fry, presented by Silter Har Mazda, a no-pressure buying experience in Brookfield. At Silterhar Mazda, find them at STHMazda.com. Live from the Sasquatch Casino and Wildcard Casino Sports Desk. Here's Eric and Terry.
1: And welcome back, afternoon drive, Goodman Fry. Watch us, Smileysports.com. You can reach us. On the Rocky Mountain Forest Products Twitter feed, at T. Fry, at Eric Goodman. If you're looking for wholesale lumber to the public, go to rmfp.com. In the meantime, I want to tell you about Rocky Mountain Eurosport. Just had a great experience with them it's an intimate car buying experience i've been saying that for a long time you know there were a bunch of guys there and it felt it was like so personalized they really cared about what i thought and, and what i was doing and you know that that's the type of environment you want to work in and they're also great at giving back to the community besides having great luxury cars domestic cars foreign cars Um, with the type of cars that they have on their lot. They service everything. They have great finance options, but I like the way they give back to the community. They have great promotions. On Memorial Day, they're going to have their customer appreciation day at both locations, in Denver and in Parker, so you're going to want to check that out. And then on June 4th, they're going to have 4x4 Colorado's Rigs and Tacos. Uh, They're asking everybody to bring their lifted trucks, SUVs, other cool gear. They're going to have two food trucks, hip-hop it's Denver Cooking with Crown. Go check that out. And they're also going to have a fundraiser for the Legend High School football team. Go check out Rocky Mountain Eurosport in Denver and in Parker. Time now for The Lead. The Lead,
0: presented by Sasquatch Casino and
1: Blackhawk. All right, let's go out to the hotline. I want to bring in a longtime friend of ours, Benjamin Hawkman. Used to be a columnist for the Denver Post. Now he's a columnist in his hometown of St. Louis for the St. Louis Post Dispatch Benji, how are you, my friend?
2: I'm doing well. How are you? Good to hear your voice.
1: Uh, Hi Benjamin. Good, good to talk just, to you. As, good to talk to you as well. What's been going on, bro?
2: Not much. Has been fun. being back in Denver, uh, seeing Terry at the rink, seeing some old journalists, journaling and friends, and uh, drinking some beers and uh, having some burgers around town. Nice. You mean
3: you mean veteran journalists, not old journalists, friends?
2: No, exactly, exactly. exactly. Oh,
3: okay. Good
2: right. Catch. So, good what's
3: catch. the Blues' attitude in the wake of Game One?
2: You know, they, they seem confident. They I mean I mean they're gonna say all the right things when yeah. the when the recorders are on. And the reality was for anyone who saw that game, uh, it was three to two and it could have been thirteen to two. Uh the avalanche dominated as you all know in, in basically every facet of the game. Uh so the but the blues are confident. We're talking about we're talking about a team that They won a bunch of games and won a series against a really good Minnesota team. So uh, George Carl, the old Nuggets coach, used to say a a series doesn't start until the home team loses, and (laughs) maybe that's the case here. Who knows?
1: Okay, so I read your column today in the St. Louis Post-Dispatch, and I have to tell you, it's the first column that you've ever written that I've ever read. I'm very impressed. You're actually really good at this thing. (laughs) Oh, thanks. You're welcome. So this was the uh, headline, Blues Got the Loss They Deserved – Here's what they should do for Game 2. I'm sure Berube would love to hear your thoughts, but what did you say they need to do?
2: Yeah, I mean, it, it, didn't, take, uh, it didn't take a rocket scientist or a Scotty Bowman to figure out the Blues needed to shake up their line. Uh, I definitely wanted uh, the Blues to take Thomas and Tarasenko and put them on different lines, and that's what Coach Berube did. This is going to be bonkers, guys. One of the lines the Blues have tonight is, has never been a line before. Navich, O'Reilly at centerman, and then David Perron. They've never been together, and they'll be together in tonight's huge game. Uh, so, yeah, the Blues, the Blues shook things up. You got to after a performance like that.
1: Is that a panic move, though, just one game into the series, flipping your lines like that?
2: I, I was, to be honest, I was surprised that they flipped all three top lines. Yeah, that's what I mean. Uh, but, um, you know, I will, you got to give Coach Craig Berube, um, you know, the benefit of the doubt in this situation. He pushed all the right buttons in that series against Minnesota, changing lines uh, and, and moving guys in and out. So you have to give them the benefit of the doubt in that regard.
3: So here's what I really want to know. How hated is Stan Kroenke in St. Louis? Is he still hated there? Will forgiveness, will forgiveness ever come?
2: Still hated. Oh, my goodness. It is, it is unbelievable. Uh, the amount of vitriol, the amount of hatred. There's T-shirts with his name on it and some expletives. Um, I mean, especially around the Super Bowl this past year. I mean, it, it, fans were irate. Uh, fans just took it personally. I mean, it was as simple as, uh, even though Kroenke owned the team, the team, if you will, belonged to the fans of St. Louis, and they took the team from him for no reason but a billionaire making more billions.
3: Is there any element of that in this series?
2: Only, it's only fan-related in that regard. That's a great question, but it's not like any of the players. I, I, honestly, if you ask the, the, the Blues players, who owned Colorado?
3: I, <laughs> who, owned, I don't who owned the Chiefs? Yeah,
2: they, they don't the know. The Hunt family.
3: Name. Right, oh, right. you didn't right. ask me. You didn't ask me. The a slap shot joke. Oh, gotcha. Benjamin's seen slap shot.
1: We are talking with Benjamin Hawkman. Right. He used, used to be a terrific columnist for the uh, Denver Post. Now he's even a better columnist for his hometown paper, the St. Louis Post-Dispatch. Uh, Terry and I talked about this Benjamin in the last hour. Bennington, he was terrific. Uh, no, no reasonable person is going to deny that. However, is, is the wall eventually going to break down if he continues to face roughly 50 shots a game?
2: That's a great question. Um, the, a reference I made today to another writer uh, at Morning Skate was to Jake Allen, the former Blues goalie, who in this one unbelievable series against the Minnesota Wild about a half decade ago, uh, saved like forty or fifty shots in I believe all five games of the series that the Blues won. That's that's one man. Uh, it's one series. It's a different scenario. Uh, but Bennington has shown that he can be streaky in a good way and in a bad way. And when he gets in these zones, as he did famously in 2019, where he became one of the coolest, I think, Cinderella stories in sports history, uh, he was he was a brick wall. So, but yeah, if, if <laughs> it's simple as. Fifty-four shots a game. Uh, I think you're going to score more than three in in most of the following three games. If
3: you will. Ryan Ryan O'Reilly is the captain. He's a veteran leader. You know we know him in Denver, and you remember this part. Uh, I think uh, when he was just kind of the weird rink rat over in the corner. How's he changed? How's he matured?
2: Well, he's just the weird rink rat that has a constant <laughs> <high. laughs> He's he's still the last guy off the ice and. He's still kind of a, a mild-mannered guy, and if you talk to him off the ice, you wouldn't think he was a hockey player. Maybe you would have thought he was a, a yoga instructor or something like that. Uh, but he is, he is beloved in St. Louis and well-respected by his, his teammates, and he's, he's on a hot streak, too, from a scoring standpoint, five, goal, five, five games in a row with goals.
3: Well, he had five shots the other night, too.
2: Yeah, not bad.
1: So around here, the narrative has been, and honestly, it's, it's a neat little narrative i suppose that the, the blues have nine guys who have scored 20 goals which is great so it talks about their depth the, the the avalanche have a bunch of guys who have scored 20 goals as well i think seven of them which fan base which team should be more concerned should the avalanche fan base be more concerned that that the, the nine guys were basically held off the score sheet or should blues fans be more concerned that McKinnon and McCarr were nowhere to be found in Game One.
2: Right? No, I, I'm going with the latter. There, I mean, the fact that Colorado won a playoff game and the guys that scored, uh, or none of them were their famous players, if you will, you'd have to think that those guys are, are ready to explode from an offensive standpoint in Game Two. And yeah, I know, I know, there's some history with. With McKinnon last year, famously or I guess infamously, in the the Vegas series, kind of losing his way when the going got tough. But uh, this series uh, is early; it's early in the series, and I, I'm I'm worried for the Blues that some famous names are going to be on the score sheet tonight.
3: You're probably the biggest market with no NBA and no NHL. I mean, with no NFL and no <laughs> well,
1: with they, only have baseball, they have
2: baseball, they have hockey, they baseball, don't have the NBA,
1: and, and they don't have the NFL.
2: Yeah, yeah. I mean, well, that's that's all they got in town is the Blues and the and the Cardinals.
1: are the uh, Blues the number one the- you got the Billikens in East St. Louis High School?
2: <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's true. They're they exactly. they're basically
1: a pro football team. Are the Blues number <laughs> one or number two?
2: I mean, the Cardinals are number one. I mean, it would take twenty losing seasons in a row or something to change that. Uh, I compare the Cardinals in St. Louis to the Broncos in Denver, um, but the difference is uh, the Blues fandom. Grew And there's a solid fandom there in St. Louis. But after that Stanley Cup, you know, people who didn't know what a puck was or, or what a power play was.
3: Or what, what color the blue line was.
2: Exactly. Touche. Touche, yeah. So, it, I mean, if you look up images of the Blues Parade, which was one of the coolest experiences of my sports life as a reporter, I mean, there was literally hundreds of thousands of people at the parade. It was, it was a big deal.
1: Okay, so everyone I've talked to on the show about this, I've asked the same question, and now I'm going to regurgitate it to you because I'm curious to know your thoughts. So there's a lot of talk about the avalanche hitting posts in game one. Is hitting the post a missed shot, or is it the guy got robbed?
2: That's a wonderful question. T- Terry's covered a lot more hockey than I do, so I'd, I'd love to hear. His- no, no, his, his, no, his response wrong. is
1: wrong. his response is wrong. So I'm asking yours. <laughs> oh. I'm asking your opinion. What Terry said is flat out wrong. It's not a goal, so what difference does it make? It's the same thing as if you were shot the puck four feet wide. Here's here's my argument, Benji, is For that sure. in okay? So when you hit the post, it it literally and figuratively is a miss shot. You can say well, he got robbed. When you're playing basketball and you shoot a shot and it hits the rim and doesn't go in, is that a miss shot, or did you get robbed by the rim?
3: Eric's obsessed with this, by the way, Benjamin.
2: Yeah, no, that's, that, that's fascinating, Eric. Um, I, <laughs> I, I think, here, here's what I'll say. If we had Darcy Kemper or Bennington on the line right now, no. you, they would probably say, and maybe they'd be lying, but they would say, no, that's the plan. I'm so perfectly right. placed. Right That when he hits the post, I want that, right. um
3: it's part but, of the equipment,
2: yeah, 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 well said, um but yeah, I don't know, me here here's a sports one I'll, i always lose this argument I'll give it to you guys. a guy hits a game winning three pointer to win a basketball game, but it's banked off the backboard and goes in, yes, he made the shot, and he's the they're the winners, they won the game but he totally missed his target. Yes, he, he, didn't, call it. For the backboard. he didn't call yeah, he it. He didn't call it. He was at right. least four or five inches <laughs> from his target, yet he air quotes succeeded and won the game.
3: Right. Is it harder or easier to be a sports columnist in your hometown? You have local knowledge, but it's uh, it's, a, it's a different situation.
2: Yeah, it's it, it, it's super fun because a lot of things I write uh, are are fueled with. Memories from growing up and, and a connection to the fan base that I could I could try to build in, in Denver and, and I, I love the Denver sports fans but I didn't grow up with the Denver sports fans um, I think the maybe the harder part is is just the personal you're part of the community so uh, in, and and since so I'm from there that uh, the vitriol is a little stronger if, if I write something <laughs> that they don't like. And, and you're at the local coffee shop, and your old science teacher comes up to you or your old your friend's parents or something. That's happened to me. So, but it's super fun. And it, Denver, I mean, you guys know it better than anybody. It's one of the best sports towns in the United States. And uh, to leave it, I mean, the only reason I did it was because it was my hometown.
1: Now, you said you enjoyed coming back, so I'll just pepper you with a couple of quick ones, and we got to go and you got to go. Do you okay. think you will be back in Denver for a Game 5? Do you think you'll be back in Denver for a Game Seven?
2: I did before Game One. <laughs> <laughs> so, now I don't think so.
1: So now, so now you think it'll be closed out in a maximum of six games? Yeah. Okay, Benji, great to have you back home. I wish I had a chance to uh, to, to catch up with you in the press box, but um, they they didn't want to give me a press pass. Is what oh, it man. is. Yeah, that's okay. No, I didn't ask. I'm gonna watch okay, the game. I'll see you. In a while, I'm going to watch the game at home and look for you on TV. Be sure to get in the winning goal pool. Oh uh, yes,
2: yeah, good call. I'll do that. Fun talking to both of you. Congrats on your show.
1: Thanks. See you, Benji.
2: See you. All Bye-bye.
1: right, coming up after the break. Boy, do we have a food fight in the SEC? Nick Saban and Texas A&M's Jimbo Fisher. Nick Saban went after Jimbo Fisher, and wait till hear. What Fisher said in response. That's next.
0: In try? Oh. Afternoon Drive with Goodman and Fry, presented by Silter Harmazza. A no-pressure buying experience in Broomfield at Silterhar Mazda. Find them at sthmazda.com. Live from the Sasquatch Casino and Wildcard Casino Sports Desk, here's Eric and Terry.
1: Welcome back. Afternoon drive. Goodman Fry. Watch us. MyLiveSports.com. You can reach us on the Rocky Mountain Forest Products Twitter feed at t.fry at Eric Goodman. If you are looking for wholesale lumber to the public, go to rmfp.com. If you're going to watch the Avs game tonight, I got the place you should watch it, and that is Greenfield's Pool and Sports Bar. Every Avalanche game, two-for-one pitchers of Stella during the entire game. But that's not the only reason why you should go to Greenfield's Pool and Sports Bar. For starters, every seat's a great seat. They have wall-to-wall televisions. You're going to love it. And every seat's a great seat. Plus, during intermission, if you're going to watch the hockey game, well, maybe you want to play some pool. They don't have one pool table. They don't have two pool tables. They have a pool hall with 15 pool tables. Also, great happy hour, and it's going on right now. Three until seven every day, two for one on wine, well, and drafts, and they have live music every Friday and Saturday with no cover. Go check out Greenfield's Pool and Sports Bar in Lakewood. Go check out the Avs tonight at Greenfield's. Time now for The Buzz. The Buzz is presented by Rocky Mountain Eurosport.
0: Go for a test drive today in Denver or Parker because everyone deserves a
1: luxury car buying experience or find them online at rmeurosport.com. Well, got a big food fight between Nick Saban (laughs) and his former assistant, Jimbo Fisher, who's now the head coach at Texas A&M. Saban says that A&M bought all of its prospects in the post NIL recruiting class. That was rated number one. Alabama was number two. Saban said this, I mean, We were second in recruiting last year. A&M was first. A&M bought every player on their team. Made a deal for name, image, and likeness. We didn't buy one player, all right? But I don't know if we're going to be able to sustain that in the future because more and more people are doing it. Fisher heard this, fired back, calling Saban a narcissist, and then said this. People think they're God. Go dig into how God did his, his deal. You may find out about, about a guy that, a lot of things you don't want to know. We built him up to be the czar of football. Go dig into his past, or anybody that's ever coached with him. You can find out anything you want to find out, what he does and how he does it. And it's despicable. It really is. And it's a shame we have to set up here and have this conversation about things we do. And it's and it personal to us, yes it is. It's personal to A&M, it's personal to our players, it's personal to our coaches and everybody involved. And I know the guy, I know him really well.
3: I've got a list of about 27 things I want to say, so I'll try to distill it down nope, here. Nope, you but, got the floor. But Go number ahead. one, Go ahead. football coaches generally in the past have completely rebelled at a subjective rating of recruiting classes. And here's a coach actually not only believing it, spouting it out about being number one or number two. Coaches used to, used to completely belittle that. Number two, as you know, I spent a year with Nick Saban off and on, doing a story for the Sporting News uh, narrative of a football program in transition. It was before Nick Saban was Nick Saban. And in fact, we picked the subject before Nick Saban was even hired at Michigan State. We knew we were doing it about Michigan State. But I spent a year with him. I think he really believes what he said. It doesn't make him any less hypocritical because uh, it's almost unintentional. But he believes all that stuff. And now the new definition, I mean, when we talk about buying players, it used to be money under the table, money in shoe boxes, money other ways. Now it's so open. It, it's a, the, the meaning is completely different about buying players. This is now within the rules, except for the fact they were not supposed to be able to use this in recruiting. It, you, couldn't, you weren't supposed to be able to say, hey, we have a car dealer and we can guarantee you X, X dollars for signing autographs there on, on Sundays. You weren't supposed to be able to do that. That's where the new system is. Is broken, and I think we're saving has a point. But the idea of an SEC coach coming off trying to come off holier than now—everybody knows, and it's absolutely true—that they play by different rules down there. I've sat in the office of a winning, successful, but also fairly new SEC coach, and he pointed over at the filing cabinet, and he said, "This—I mean this figuratively—I am afraid to go look at what my predecessor did. I don't—I'm right. afraid what I might find in that file cabinet." The SEC changed when Alabama and Auburn started telling on each other because until then, they couldn't tell on each other because, Eric, if you're cheating and I'm cheating, we can't tell on each other. But when Alabama and, and uh, Auburn started telling on each other, the rules of the game slightly changed. It cleaned up for a while. But this NIL, I, I'm absolutely convinced, is if it stays in this form, it's going to be the ruination of college football. What's your now, other- don't, don't give me that crap about, well, the players should be paid because all the money they make First of all, start with a, at least conceding the point that that a college education is worth something. A free, school, free full tuition scholarship to Stanford is worth a lot of money. And then we added cost of attendance stipends. It's like the people arguing that pay, players should be paid won't concede that that's even the starting point. So here, uh, a pox on both houses in the sense that th- it's just a dirty system. And they need to work to, to modify it and clean it up or NIL is going to be the ruination of college football. Well, what's the other option? Get rid of it. No, you have to make sure it's, it's not part of the recruiting process. Is that too naive? Should you, shouldn't you be able it's to it's, do that? It's too naive. It's
1: too naive because they, they couldn't control players getting paid under the table anyway. Yeah. It, it's open season. And honestly, I would rather have this and I don't like it. Mm-hmm. Okay. It's like the, you want to deal with the devil you know or the devil you don't know. I don't like the fact that CU, they're bad enough in football, okay, that they're going to get hammered because Pasta Jays only has so much money they can give their recruits. Well,
3: and the Pac-12 traditionally has been more scrupulous about not allowing the financial shenanigans.
1: Well, well, not now they can. And, again, you have USC and UCLA in the Los Angeles market. You have Washington in the Seattle
3: market. You have Washington State and Pullman. Oh, well, never mind.
1: Well, no. I mean, there's 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 money there. Okay, well, wait a minute. Colorado's right next to Denver, isn't it? Yeah. Well, why, why can't Quest give, give players some money? How about DeVita? Why can't they give them some money? They won't. But what I'm saying is, and you and I talked about this briefly yesterday, the one big advantage that the Pac-12 has over the SEC is the fact that the SEC are in little... Tuscaloosa? Ho-dunk country. uh, Auburn?
3: Have you ever been to Auburn? No. no, I have. And I
1: don't need to go. There isn't anything in Auburn except the university. That's my point. So they don't have big money. In Texas, they have oil money. And they also have Texas. And they also have, excuse me, they also have Dallas and Houston and San Antonio and Austin. But the Pac-12 has the biggest advantage because they have a lot of schools that are in major markets.
3: Have you ever been to the UCLA campus?
1: I don't have to. It's right next. It's it's in L.A. Yeah. It's, it's, it's right there. It's, it's, my go- it's gorgeous. Okay. Well, 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 look where it is, too. I mean, it's hard not to have gorgeous with palm trees. You got really to really mess your up. Door,
3: you're literally next door to Bel Air.
1: Okay. The point is, is that what's the option? You get rid of it? No. And if you don't want to pay players, that's fine. I understand the college education thing. I get that. But at the end of the day, these kids are working. And hold on. They are working. And at the very least, why can't they have endorsements? What's wrong with that? Okay, Mr. O'Bannon. No, you, you you can insult me by saying that. What is wrong with players being able to endorse something? I endorse stuff all the time. Yes, you do. Right. So why so why can't they?
3: I I just want to go back to the uh, no
1: no to answer that question. Why can't they?
3: I, you can. That's what they're doing now. Right. But you but and it is. But, out but, of but, but you're saying that the college scholarship is not remuneration. It's fine,
1: but a lot of kids aren't going for so you, a lot of kids aren't going for that in
3: basketball. But, but and you're football. also then you're also admitting that you don't give a damn about the, the basis of all of this is that you, I don't care about the education part about it.
1: Either does the school. Yes, they do. No, they don't. No,
3: I'm. I mean, i do not stand am, on a soapbox. I am and idealistic tell me. enough to believe the schools actually believe all that.
1: Okay, well then, then you're being naive. They don't. They care about. I've wins. been around
3: college football since I was. a since I was you entitled, think you you think
1: you honestly think at the heart of it, these athletic directors no they
3: believe in they believe in trying to get their players an education
1: they try to but they're not you know what here this is this is the phrase I use now all now you're
3: going to be condescending to college athletes and say that
1: no I'm not no I'm not I'm going to be condescending to athletic departments mm-hmm. and team presidents and coaches all right okay there is a difference in life. Is it fair to say, not everybody, everybody, I saw, I'll just throw that word, everybody out there. I don't mean it literally, but generally speaking. It's like they, <laughs> they it, say. Is it fair to say that everybody would like to be rich? Is it fair to say that everybody would like to be rich?
3: Uh, except Muhammad Gandhi, maybe. Is it fair to say that everybody yes. would like to be rich? Yes.
1: Everybody wants to be rich. But the question is, who is committed to being rich? And that's the difference want to people are dreamers mm-hmm. committed people are doers and athletic departments and coaches want these kids to get an education they're not committed to these kids getting an education and that's the difference
3: okay i don't agree with that
1: you think you think coaches are committed yes.
3: To, to, to yes i to think 90 I think guys the more, on
1: the roster going going I, to classes I they're the committed to of, finding another I job i think
3: the majority of coaches are at least have an idealistic sense of that.
1: It's a dream and it's a want to. Because you know what? If these coaches really are committed to these kids getting an education, then they should be checking grades every day. No, not now I'm not talking about the assistant coaches or the academic advisors. If they want to make sure this is going on with their with their players, then they should take an interest in making sure that all their players are going to class, they're <laughs> getting good grades, and they're checking this stuff. Daily. Did like somebody
3: hold your
1: do. hand in college? Uh, with my kids, I'm committed to them having good grades. That's why I check their grades. That's why I help them with their okay. homework. I'm committed. They're not. They want it. They're not committed to it. And you know what the answer is? Well, they're too busy recruiting and they're too busy putting together game plans. They're twenty four hours <laughs> in a day. If you're committed, you'll find a way to get it done. They care about winning games. I'll ask you. Let me ask you. Let me ask you a question. What's more important? Let's say you are a coach of Colorado. Okay, what's more important to you—that your star quarterback got straight A's one week, or he passed for three hundred yards, five well, touchdowns, of course, to your team you won? You
3: know the answer to that.
1: Well, that's not being committed.
3: So, you can are the two mutually exclusive? Can that quarterback get straight A's? He can. Justin Herbert was was like a, a road scholar capable. Type that's
1: fine. Well, some kids are committed to getting great grades, but if we, I don't believe for one minute that coaches are committed to their players getting great, you know, you know what they're concerned about? Making sure that they're academic, academically
3: eligible to and play. There is that's all they care about. Not A's. Is, they care that they don't flunk out. There is something wrong with that. That derails a player. If you're concerned about him staying eligible,
1: that's what these coaches care about. More than them getting, what do you think they care more about? Them staying eligible, their top players, or getting straight A's?
3: Honestly, they're not. It's not mutually exclusive. You it know, is mutually exclusive. Your, your quarterback can stay eligible if he gets straight A's. I'm
1: saying your top players, your starters. If you had to pick one or the other, what's they more? What are they more concerned about?
3: College athletes have 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 uh, a tremendous amount of resources expended on their part to help them to help them get through college. I, I was, gonna, I agree. I'm a little jealous of that. I agree. Nick, that was one of Nick Saban's big things at Michigan State. When he came back, he was just disgusted with the lack of ac- academic commitment right. within the athletic department and the football program. Right. That's why uh, I see this a little bit with John. involved in some of this because I know he I know he was actually a hundred percent offended by all.
1: I would say this, call me cynical and that's fine. And I'm cynical, I'm cynical. And, and I am, and I'm cynical about a lot of things. These coaches care about how much money they're making, how many wins they get. <laughs> they do. And they care about themselves first. Cause you know what? If they really cared about these players and they signed a contract, they wouldn't leave early.
3: Well, I'll, I'll is, har- that, is that fair? Har- yes, that's fair. Har- that's what they this. care about. Do you know how much I looked at the story again last night. Do you know how much Nick Saban was making at Michigan state when he was hired? Uh, $160,000 It was
1: 130000 I gave him a raise by 30 yeah. And he did pretty well at LSU And he went to real big time college football Not to say Big Ten football isn't mm-hmm. LSU's a different breed and we both know that Coming up after the break is Tim Conley Going to go to Minnesota As the new team president Lateral move Big pay increase We'll talk about it next In the
0: moon Crossing the range Riding the out. Afternoon Drive with Goodman and Fry, presented by Silter Har Mazda. A no-pressure buying experience in Broomfield at Silterhar Mazda. Find them at sthmazda.com. Live from the Sasquatch Casino and Wildcard Casino Sports Desk, here's Eric and Terry.
1: Welcome back. Afternoon Drive. Goodman Fry. Watch us at You can reach us on the Rocky Mountain Forest Products Twitter feed, at tfry, at Eric Goodman. If you are looking for wholesale lumber to the public, go to RMFP. Dot com. Uh, we're not going to talk about Tim Conley. We're going to talk about the Avs. You're getting ready to go to the game. Uh, you will be there, you know, certainly well before the puck drops. Uh, you know what I want you to do? What do you want me to do? What I want, I mean, I can explain this myself, but, you know, you're doing this tonight. Explain to the listeners and the viewers what your process is when you get to the arena. What do you do to get ready for a game?
3: Well, it's varied over the years depending on the role I was filling, whether I was a columnist. Writing the game story, feature writer, and everything else. But let's let's just a generic experience on game night is to get to the, get there an hour and a half to two hours early, look at the press notes, have a meal, think about things, fool around on the computer a little bit, watch the warm what up.
1: Fool, like Pornhub? What do no. you mean by fooling around on the computer? Just reading on the computer. The fact that you even knew
3: that well, what that was, well, well, I'm, t- I'm telling Helen. Well, what happens now is everything. Helen Helen. Everything is digital. You yep. you can't get the press notes. Right, the press notes are not printed out. You you look at them there. You look at the notes there. You check uh, you check all the things that have happened that day at the at the morning skate, for example. You redouble your efforts if you weren't there. Because sometimes you're not. But once you get there, you settle in. Get ready for the game. Watch the game. You get you get uh, line sheets. Almost line up line sheets almost when the game's about to start.
1: So as a columnist, but, or even as a beat writer, you're going to have a deadline, oh. gen- generally speaking, right? Uh, that's changed drastically. Okay. But when you had a deadline, okay. <laughs> when you had a deadline and maybe you have to file a half hour, maybe an hour after the game and you want to hear the post game, how are you able to watch the game? Because I'm guessing you have to write while the game is yes, going you are. on. How difficult is multitasking
3: like that? It's difficult. It depends on the the, the actual timetable involved too. Like the uh, this is a bad example to bring up the night Steve Moore and T- Todd Bertuzzi got it. Uh, Todd Bertuzzi attacked Steve Moore. I was actually writing because we were in the Pacific time zone, so I had to get my game story in and done. And the Avalanche had made trades that night also. That's much forgotten. So was, I'm writing a trade story. I'm trying to write a game story, and Steve Moore gets attacked by Todd Bertuzzi. That was probably the most extreme example of multitasking I've had ever, and so it was—it's it, very difficult. Now, now the situation is you're writing during the game. Uh, the the uh, the digital version of the paper has changed everything because you really don't have—you don't have a uh, a deadline. It's a deadline. You have a print deadline, and then for online, you can pretty much go in and change it yourself. Uh, editors aren't supposed to know that, so editors don't listen. You could go back in and change it yourself up till I don't know three in the morning or any time. So there really is no there is no digital deadline. But the ridiculous thing about the newspaper business, and I hope this gets some people nodding their head, is when I early in my career the deadline was like 11:30 for night games. If you got it in by 11:30, it it really wasn't that hard. You could go to the locker room. You could listen to the coach. You didn't have a first edition to worry about. Then in later years you had to write a game story for the first edition. That's that's basically filed the second the game is ended, and you just plug in the final score, and it, it was a hellacious process. I didn't really enjoy, but you had to get it in. It's a it's a running story. It's terrible. A lot of play by play, and then you sub it out. But now in the in the digital age, you're kind of it's all blended together. You're doing a you're doing one game story, a one piece, trying to beat the deadline, and then touching it up after the deadline for online. What do we have coming up
1: on Argonaut Wine and Liquor, just in case you missed it?
4: We will talk about game two of the Eastern Conference Finals. They're getting set to tip off in Miami soon. So we'll talk about Jason Tatum versus Jimmy Butler. We'll also talk about CBS Sports rankings of the 2022 NFL offenses. They've got six tiers. Which one are the Broncos in? That's next, right here on Afternoon Drive with Goodman and Fry on Mile High Sports.
0: Sun, Afternoon Drive with Goodman and Fry, presented by Silter Harmazda. Mazda. A no-pressure buying experience in Broomfield at Silter Harmazda. Mazda. Find them at sth.mazda.com. Live from the Sasquatch Casino and Wildcard Casino Sports Desk. Here's Eric and Terry.
1: Welcome back, afternoon drive. Goodman Fry, watch us. MyLifeSports.com. You can reach us uh, the Rocky Mountain Forest Products Twitter feed at t.fry at Eric Goodman. If you are looking for wholesale lumber to the public, not retail, but wholesale, go to rmfp.com. Time now for the final word.
0: The final word is presented by the McKenzie Law Firm. Don't wait before it's too late. Protect your family by setting up a will, living will, or estate plan with Dan McKenzie at themackenziefirm.com. Just in case you missed it, is presented by Argonaut Wine and Wicker. You need to see why Westward named it the best wicker store in Denver. Five years running. Or order online at Argonautwicker.com.
4: Just in case you missed it, last night the NHL playoffs were on both ends of the spectrum. Carolina beat New York 2-1 in overtime, and in the Battle of Alberta, Calgary beat Edmonton 9-6. to So which type of game do you prefer in hockey? A low-scoring defensive battle or a shootout?
3: Fire wagon hockey. Higher the better. One team gets the double digits. That's a great game. I'm, I'm going to go off the, off the board for 200, Alex, on this one.
1: I have no empathy for the Edmonton Oilers organization. They had four number one overall picks in six years from 2010 to to 2015 and oh by the way a couple of years later with the third overall pick they took a guy by the name of Seidel. they have won a total of two playoff series since
3: 2010 let me inject one thing uh, the finalists for the Lady Bean Trophy are out and did one you even of them, hear what I said and one of them is a Carolina defenseman named Jacob Slavin who's from Erie Colorado yep so I think that just speaks of kind of the uh, growing
4: footprint of the game in Colorado also. Okay. Love that. Love local love guys getting their shine. Just in case you missed it, game two of the Eastern Conference Finals. After Jimmy Butler took over and the Celtics faded in the second half, fourth quarter of Game 1, the Heat now lead the series 1-0. Marcus Smart and Al Horford should be good to go for Boston. Derek White, however, will be out for the Celtics after the birth of his child. Kyle Lowry still out with the hamstring issue for Miami. Did anything about Game 1 change how you feel about this series with the Heat winning or since that was what I believe both of you expected are you still feeling confident about the Celtics
3: if the Celtics get healthy I think they can win this series
1: I think they do win this series remember they lost game one to the Bucs but but Horford's a big part of that team because he's veteran leadership and then of course Marcus Smart is the defensive player of the year
3: I think we both have kind of gone back to picking the heat because of the Celtics injury issues now that they're taken care of I think I'll
4: I'm swinging back to
3: the Celtics right
4: Just in case you missed it, CBS Sports ranked 2022 NFL offenses in six tiers before they've played any games, so this is just what they expect. Uh, The Broncos were number 11, the top team in tier number three. Tier number two included the Browns, Eagles, Bengals, Cowboys, Bills, and tier number one was the Packers, Chargers, Chiefs, Rams, and the number one offense, the Buccaneers. Should the broncos be higher than tier three? Oh,
3: uh, i think they'd be lower than 11. don't you think
1: um i can make the case that they can be lower than 11 for this reason um i can make the case for it and against it you're looking at what these guys have done before russell wilson has stepped on the field not only does he upgrade the quarterback position significantly But we don't know what the potential what the ceiling is for jerry judy yet he hasn't played with the right quarterback same with Cortland sutton same with tim patrick we don't know what an offense looks like with kj hamler we will see but if we're being completely honest they're going to be starting a rookie i believe a rookie tight end and while i do like their backfield very much in terms of gordon and javante williams their offensive line I don't want to call them suspect, but they're not great. They're not awful, but they're not great. Everything banks on Russell Wilson and bringing out the best in these wide receivers who have yet to reach their peak. Because when you look at the AFC West alone, uh, you can find a better tandem of wide receivers on each of the Raiders, Chiefs, and Chargers. That already puts them fourth in the division right there when it comes to offense.
4: Just in case you missed it, a record-breaking run by Gary Martin, a high school senior in Pennsylvania. He ran a 3-minute, 57-second, 57.98-second mile, uh, breaking the record in high school competition set by Jim Ryan in 1965. Would you rather be? It's an out-of-the-box question. Yeah, I love out-of-the-box questions. Would you rather be ridiculously fast, be able to jump super high, have crazy natural strength without having to lift a lot of weights to get there, yep. or have incredible hand-eye coordination and reflexes.
3: Fast, because everything can stemmed from that.
1: I'd rather have incredible hand-eye coordination, because I can hit baseballs then. And then I could be as overweight as Cecil Fielder and it wouldn't really matter. Could you hit the curveball? With great hand-eye coordination? Of course I could. Okay. You, you, you gave me the hand-eye coordination. Now, would I be as... And you know what else I'd be great at? Golf. Yeah. And I'd be flexible. So I don't have to be a great athlete to play golf, Uh, which I I love. Now, could I I do that for basketball and hockey? No, but I could do it for baseball, and I'm not going to get injured as much, and I could do it for golf, and unless there's an errant tee shot and I'm standing on the fairway, I'm not going to get injured there either.
3: I'm oversimplifying, but I just love to be fat.
1: I would love to be fat. I would love to be smart. And I'm 53, and I still haven't accomplished that yet. I wish you would have put that in there, because that's the one I would have chosen. Intelligence? Yeah, I'm lacking
4: there. Hey, the you could have Just all those. Terry. You could this have- week he told me I'm
3: dumb. You could have all those, but you need to stay away from Krypton.
4: That's a good point. Good. That is a good point. Great point. You're I've out. never encountered Krypton in my life, though. Me either.
1: Never. But I've dated a girl named Lois. Kryptonite. And I've written for a newspaper. Two out of three ain't bad. And I wear glasses that are black. And people don't know. You know, what I, you know what I never understood about this whole Superman thing? Clark Kent wears black glasses. Yeah. And he takes them off and nobody knows the difference. What are you kidding?
3: Well, I was like, you I didn't, mean, you th- didn't that, rec- that's as
1: bizarre That's as bizarre as some of the characters in Star Wars.
3: Well, you didn't, you didn't recognize. You didn't, know. you didn't recognize billionaire th- philanthropist Bruce Wayne out of his Batman. He, he wears a
1: mask. Superman wears glasses. <laughs> when you're wearing a mask, I suppose you don't know the difference. Spider-Man, I totally get. Yeah, his whole face is covered. He doesn't exactly. even show the Exactly. You have no clue whatsoever. Captain America, you got to know. He doesn't wear, or he does wear something over his face. He does. He? His
4: is, his is kind of like a Batman mask, half How the face. How
1: stupid can you be that you don't know it's the same guy because he's wearing glasses? What kind of moron are you? This really bothers you. It doesn't bother me at all i just don't understand it i mean again you watch sci-fi movies right mm-hmm. or you or you watch a guy in a big black mask and he holds his two fingers together and he suddenly chokes him to death and you're like well that's not possible well you know that's more realistic than not recognizing somebody after they take off their glasses that's a bunch of bs and they've been capitalizing Isn't that the premise on this of a
4: lot of a lot of uh, like romantic comedies where they they get the girl to kind of have a makeover take off her glasses right. and then she's more, way more beautiful than she ever was with the glasses? Totally different.
1: Oh. Because, because there is no makeover for Clark Kent. He's the same looking guy. It's not like he's getting his hair done and putting on lipstick. He's the same guy. And you're telling me people don't know the difference? Well, then you're pretty stupid, Lex Luthor.
3: Okay, I'm taking off my glasses. Oh, God,
1: please don't. All right, that was uh, Argonaut Wine and Liquor. Just in case you missed it, I might need to go there. And have a couple of cocktails to tolerate how you look without glasses on. Okay, I'm guessing that I'm sure they have a special on Tito's that I will be sucking down out of a brown paper bag to try and forget this moment. Head on over to Argonaut Wine and Liquor. They have uh, great specials all the time. 750 milliliter bottles of French wines, 15% off. Don't forget, they deliver, and all deliveries over 100 bucks are free. Stop by Argonaut today off of Colfax, or check them out online at Argonaut Liquor. Dot com. That is going to do it for us today. Nigel, you were simply marginal today. But it's better than you did last time. Danny, you were fantastic. Terry, get the hell out of here. You want to go eat some free food at Ball Arena? Meanwhile, I'll go home and have leftovers. Make it the best possible night you can.